downloading UW Alumni Voices. Connections, the amazing impact of mentors and networks. Never underestimate the power of connection. Every successful person knows they didn't get to where they are on their own. It took mentors, referrals, advice, a little help from a friend. Our panel share their tips and tricks for tapping into your networks to gain as well as to give. Hello folks, good to see you, good afternoon, welcome, we're going to have a great time. You are wise, you have selected the correct panel session, this will be the most entertaining and informative one. I'm Matt, I'm a journalist with Business News and I graduated from UWA about five years ago. Hopefully I don't look that old though. And we have a, a very fine selection of people on this panel, I'm just going to let them uh, introduce themselves very briefly uh, and say what they do and we'll start with uh, Christian if that's alright. Yeah, so Christian Bauer, I'm a lawyer, I work at West Farmers, uh, which is a, a conglomerate in Perth and I'm also involved in, uh, I'm a director of uh, the WACA, so the Cricket Association. Hi guys. Well, my name is Veronica Komarenko um, and I run my own um, accounting practice. So we specialise in small businesses and um, tax optimization for small businesses. I sit on the executive board of the United Nations Association as a national uh, treasurer. And I'm also part of the CANZ, so the CA Institute. Um, I sit one of their panels. Angel. Hi everyone, um, my name is Angel Chen, um, thanks for having me here today. In my day-to-day -day role, um, I'm a strategy uh, chief at Draw History, so it's an organisation I co-founded that does a lot of branding and strategy for social good organisations. In my, I guess, like community capacity, I'm currently serving as the um, board member for Perth College Foundation, so working a lot with the board to, to work on their younger old girls engagement strategy, um, as well as serving on the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers Committee. So thanks, everyone. And hi, I'm Carmen Braidwood. I'm a radio and television broadcaster. I also have my own business in media coaching and training. I'm a corporate MC. And I graduated university here nearly 20 years ago. So I hope I do look that old. I feel like I've earned it. So it's a fascinating panel, lots of different experience and pretty high profile, I think. Uh, now I want to start, uh, we're going to start with Angel. Uh, we want to hear uh, if there are any particular mentors or people that have uh, guided you in your time working in business since you've left university. Who are the people who've inspired you most? So, thanks, Matt. Um, I think for me, in, originally when I went to UWA, I studied law and commerce. So for a long time, I'd thought I'll be a corporate lawyer in the Asia-Pacific region, um, very much what my Asian parents wanted. But since pivoting and going, actually want to start my own business, um, I, think, I think I was around 22 then. There was also actually very little support within my close friends and family because everyone had gone on to do very, you know, um, within the corporate world. So my mentors actually came from people who went directly within my industry. Um, one of them was actually Fudzi Wande. So she's a mentor who actually said, if you want to start your business, do it now. Don't wait 10 or 20 years. I'll provide you the support. I'll provide you the network. And you just go ahead and, and just build your confidence because I know you can do it. And what she did for me was she actually founded a mentor program alongside the US consulate so I was a participant in that where I was um, mentored um, coached a lot by the US consulate and her networks for the past I'd say 18 months 
where she would invite speakers and have fireside chats and teach us in different areas. So not directly related to branding and strategy, but everything else, which is very, very important. So that's, I guess, like a, the real life mentor. Another mentor, I'd say shortly, when I decided to pivot from law to starting my own business was actually from reading the book Lean In. And I remember that particular quote where it said, your career isn't, don't look at your career like a ladder, look at it like a jungle gym. You can still get to where you want to be um, without going, you know, working for a particular firm your whole time. You can, but there are other ways where you can broaden out your experiences but still get to where you are, so... Okay, well, that's the number one excellent metaphor so far today. Uh, Veronica, who's inspired you most? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my business um, has really started off just by basically doing tax and consulting work for family and friends. Um, and then it just kind of exploded more of a network for me. So my mentor that really inspired me to just go and do my own thing was one of the partners that I worked for in um, one of the accounting firms. So I have about nine years of experience in the um, accounting field. And yeah, one of the partners that I worked with really closely encouraged me and gave me the confidence to basically go out on my own. And yeah, that was that. Christian. So the people that have helped me uh, and mentored me most effectively were the people that, uh, I guess, gave me guidance in things that I wasn't particularly good at or confident in. So uh, as a lawyer, I struggled uh, professionally in some aspects where I would take a lot of, uh, I guess, responsibility and tension and anxiety on for other people's problems and, and I looked at people around me and how they were, were dealing with the same issue and, and I sort of talked to them about how they handled handling other people's problems and then from as I got older and was moving into leadership positions again just people that I really admired and thought were very good sound leaders and picked them out and it's really about picking their brains but often about uh, letting them ask you questions about what's really bothering you but it it, the, the people that you will be effective mentors for you are probably around you and have, uh, I guess, uh, excel in areas that perhaps you need to develop in. Guess who's last? <laughs> I suppose I'll step in. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think the, uh, the networks that I've relied upon in my career development have come from within my workplaces and then as I've moved on to other workplaces, they've stayed with me and you might say they've transferred or transitioned from being a sponsor within an organisation who's championing you and you're championing them in return, who then becomes someone through their experience can guide you through life's challenges and work challenges as they crop up in years gone by, uh, years preceding. And then I think the other thing that I was able to do which really helped me build great networks, and that was whether it was here in WA or on the East Coast when I was working there, um, was deep dive into that industry specifically. So if you know which industry you're seeking to work in, in my case it was the broadcast media, you know, there are industry events, there are organisations that you can be a part of, the girls and, and, and also a gentleman mentioned being on boards and, and other opportunities to influence your industry. Um, and so for me, yeah, joining any organisation I could, uh, heading along and volunteering to work in organisations that I admired and wanted to be a part of or finding individuals I wanted to learn from. The other thing that did is it shored up my career progression outside of individual gigs. You know, my industry, it's very much a gig economy. So as each gig comes to a close for whatever reason, whether it's my choice or my employer's, I was able to then find another job very easily. You know, you never find yourself out of work for long when you've got terrific networks and people who are prepared to champion you. 
Uh, Veronica, you and I are similar, and in fact, most of the people on this panel are similar in that they've done a lot of things outside of work. Um, and in particular, in your case, United Nations uh, Association, uh, and uh, the other one was, what was the other one? The CANZ. Oh, that's right, the Chartered Accountants. Yeah. So can you tell us about how that's influenced you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So both, both organisations are very different, and they gave me access to very different networks, which... I have been very thankful for throughout my career. So the United Nations um, Association of Australia, so the YPs, the young professionals, they attract uh, people from all sorts of industries um, and especially those that are focused on sustainability and actually working around that sustainable development framework, which is actually one of my passions and I personally very much resonate um, with those goals. So that gives me access to professionals as well as business owners who um, essentially resonate with my business that I do. In relation to the CANZ, so that's the CA Institute for anyone who's not familiar with it, that gives me access to a broad network of professionals in my industry. Um, so, you know, partners, managers in accounting firms, which give me input if I have any problems. I always have someone to go to and consult if I do come up with any issues. But other than that, um, I, we serve as a focal point for full and provisionary members of the CA Institute. And that always provides an impact to the industry. Well, we have an impact on the industry by hosting events and just really getting everyone connected. Uh, Angel, um, perhaps in, in 30 to 45 seconds, the World Economic Forum, it's going to be, it sounds cool. How's it impacted you, your involvement with that? Okay, very quickly. So um, the World Economic Forum started an initiative called Global Shapers, which there is over 400 different cities involved. Every city gets leaders under 30 um, to really look at within their city, what are the local issues? How can we tackle them with the global networks and the 10,000 other shapers around the world? So um, in Perth, very lucky to be one of them and gives me opportunity to go around different regions to look at how other people are tackling sustainability, climate change, inequality, and things like that, and bring it back here. And can I ask, have you, have you met anyone here, or perhaps in your time overseas through the forum, that has sort of either given you an idea, or that's you know, in some way been engaged in the business, or has that not happened yet? Or Like relating to my... Um to draw history, yeah. Um, yeah, I think very much. Um, a lot of the shapers work around sustainability or even things around how do you do good and also make a profit, which is very much what our business is about. So a lot of those networks have become potential clients and their networks have become our clients from around the world, including a lot in Europe, actually. That's really cool. Um, now, Carmen, uh, I have a question for you. I think you've said uh, after you left university, you didn't necessarily make the most of your networks on campus. So... How does that make you feel? Well, I think, yeah, a missed opportunity. You know, looking back on it, and it really now, you know, almost 20 years down the track, it's the first I've really reconnected with the university and the alumni opportunities that there are. Welcome back. Yeah, hi. How's it going? I had trouble finding my way here. Um, lots changed. But, so it was a mistake to miss out on some of those networks. I think I really deep dove and went quite narrow within to one industry focus, which has been to the benefit of my career in some ways. But I think now that I'm out in a freelance capacity and I'm looking to expand my business horizons, 
that's where those networks are going to become really valuable. And they may have been valuable to me, you know, 15, 16, 17 years ago if I'd taken that chance to... Uh, to be a part of those too. So I guess my advice would be don't don't discount or ignore any particular opportunity. Maybe give yourself a year of saying yes when you're first out there in the workforce and just say, well, I will go to that event. If it doesn't normally sound like me, maybe I'll go and give it a try and you just never know who you might meet. Uh, can I ask, Oscar, uh, I'm not sure if there are many people in, in the audience that are interested in journalism, but particularly focusing on the fact that uh, uh, you're doing freelance stuff. Is it hard to try to f go from, from one to the next thing or how does that sort of work? Look, it's actually incredibly rewarding. Now, my workplace uh, looks different every single day and my job looks di different every single day. For the best part of 15 years, I was in within the walls of a studio doing the same show. And it's, you know, used to sort of joke that it's uh, the same show every day of the year, uh, repeated every single year after that. You know, there's only so many things that kind of happen in that landscape. So, no, these days it's great. And, and through the relationships that I've built within the industry, it's becoming more and more apparent that you're working with the same people anyway. So now we have these big columns of ownership within the broadcast media and print media uh, and digital media. Uh, so Channel 9, you know, is now my primary employer. I used to work for them and... Macquarie Media, who previously were Fairfax, <laughs> who was someone else before that. And so if you're students of business, you understand that ownership change happens all the time, change is part of work, and more specifically in the journalism and broadcasting space. Now, you know, you can't afford to be burning bridges. Don't go throwing chairs on the way out of a building. I don't recommend it. Just uh, keep, things, keep things amicable, be really positive about your options next. Um, jobs will change. You know, I think that it's very realistic that, you know, within each of our careers we might face a redundancy or we might face a, a change or something that's going to affect your, your job, job status. And that's okay because you'll find something else as long as you maintain those good relationships. Have you ran into anyone that metaphorically threw a chair or otherwise? <laughs> I think traditionally over the years there's been a lot of big personalities in broadcasting. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Most diplomatic. All right, uh, Christian. Uh, at, uh, at Wes Farmers. I want to hear a bit about, uh, I think you've said um, you've mentored people uh, and there's, a, there's an onus, I guess, on the people who are being mentored, the mentee, as it were, to, to take the energy and to sort of run with it. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so uh, I guess the mentee is, is predominantly the one who's going to benefit from the relationship, although the mentor, I should point out as well, can derive a lot of benefit uh, from the relationship as well. I think there was a uh, there were a couple of uh, instances where it just felt like the mentee was uh, just asking for favours the whole time. Can you help me get this job? I want to do this. Can you enable me to do that? And that's just not what it's about. Um, and so there's a difference between networks and a mentor-mentee relationship. And so networks may be able to help you progress through a career, but a mentor and mentee, that, that relationship is about guidance and, and conversations. So, and I related most things back to cricket, but in this case, I also coach young cricketers. And, and the way that um, uh, it used to be done in the old days was just telling people things. And so that kind of mentor-mentee relationship would be the mentee asks a question and the mentor just gives them an answer. Whereas nowadays, coaching and these relationships are very different. So, for instance, if a young cricketer comes to me for advice about cricket, they'll ask me a question and I will coach them by enabling them to answer their own questions. So I'll ask them questions back and they'll come to the answer themselves, which is really important because when they're playing cricket or doing whatever they're doing in life, 
and the situation presents itself, they need to be able to answer it themselves in that moment. So in this mentor-mentee relationship, uh, it's, it's, the mentee has to bring a lot of the energy and has to be prepared to answer a lot of the questions in order to find their own answer. Uh, that, that's the best way I can describe it. But it also means that uh, you're, as a mentor, you're learning about the person that you're interacting with. And that's the same with networking and going to functions. It's about a conversation and, and so both benefit. Otherwise, it becomes quite draining uh, if you're just sitting there answering questions like an interview the whole time. So I, I guess the, the first takeaway there is it should be sort of a, a journey and a learning experience rather than a can you do this or that. Um, the second thing, I'm just a bit intrigued, uh, and this is off the cuff, but this move away from just sort of giving direct answers towards asking questions, what, what do you think sort of inspired that? Is that something you got from being involved in business or is it something that someone advised you to do? Or It, it came from sport. Uh, the way that people are coached nowadays in sport is very different to the way it was a long time ago. And I think it's a generational thing. I think people just don't like being talked at the whole time and, and being told how to do things. Uh, and it also came from me being a little bit, I guess, jaded from having to constantly tell people what to do. And I thought, well, if they learn what they're doing a little bit better, they don't need to ask as many questions. It's more fun for them. They don't feel like they're always asking for help. And it also came from a period where perhaps people were being overcoached and weren't really developing their own independent thought. Uh, and I think if you're just telling people how to do things all the time, you're denying them a learning opportunity because they're not working out how to solve their own problems. Now, soon enough, all of you in the audience will get an opportunity to ask questions. So, uh, you know, have a meditate on that, see what you're thinking. Um, but before we do, well, there's a couple more for the panel. And Carmen, one of them is for you. Uh, running your own business, how does one balance between, you know, the benefit of uh, I'll do this and get some free promotion versus paid work? How do you sort of work that out? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a juggling act, a balancing act. You do need to be careful. Um, at the early part of your career, it might be a case of going, yes, I'm going to do everything I possibly can and money on the table or not. It, it's irrelevant, you know. It's really about doing the best uh, for yourself at that stage. I think now I'm in a position where I'm able to be a little more choosy and so I'm just a bit strategic about which things that I choose to do and give my time to. And, and I guess you've probably already guessed from what I've been saying, where, where the strengths are in my skill sets and where I know that there's room to improve. So when it comes to business and networks that I probably, you know, forsook for the sake of going deep diving into that broadcasting space, now I'm trying to grow. So yeah, there'll be certainly things within the business space that I'll look at um, as being worth my time and going off and doing for free. But then, you know, in my, my core business, what I do as a broadcaster is the stuff that I try to make sure that I'm, um, you know, really acknowledging my worth on and, and being quite comfortable being able to state what my time's worth. Makes sense. Uh, on a personal level, I go to these networking events, I always feel awkward going up to people and talking to them. So I'm sure lots of people feel the same. Do we, do we have some advice, Angel? What, what's your advice if you go to an event and you're there alone, you know no one, what do you do? Um, it's a very good question. And I guess my tip would be like a very, like I guess like for me, if I'm going to an event, I know I want to make a good impression at that event, but I don't know anyone. My biggest tip is to arrive early. Um, like, I actually go, it's easier to chat with whoever's arrived early. Maybe there's 
four or five people in a room rather than, you know, coming in when there's a hundred people and you don't know anyone. Um, so that's, that's a tip that I, I take when I go to um, events where I don't know anyone. <laughs> well, that's fascinating and that certainly beats my arrived late uh, usual, <laughs> what I usually do, uh, which is serious. Um, Carmen, what's your advice on this front? I once, men I very recently mentioned to a um, young colleague, get a business card. Even if you don't have a job yet, having a personal business card that just has all those little takeaways that you'd like to give to that person, uh, it's, it's your go-to. So if you do find yourself stuck, you can say, well, here's my card, why don't you email me about that or something like that. It's also a nice way to extricate yourself from a conversation if it is too weird. So <laughs> um, that has proven to be quite helpful. Um, and I will reiterate, yeah, those networking events, while they can be a little bit scary, that one contact that's gotten you there will probably introduce you to someone else and I can absolutely 100% verify that I've had, you know, quantifiable, good earning work that has come from those sorts of events. So, yeah, don't be shy. Give it a go. Everyone's as scared as you are. Uh, Veronica, when you're feeling scared? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I go to quite a few um, networking events, so it has become a lot less scary over the time. Um, but my main tip would be um, to have some really good questions ready and, you know, like find out what the person um, does for fun, try to establish a genuine connection and pay some real interest in what the person is all about. Um, never just go in asking for favours or, you know, getting them to refer you to a job or anything like that. Try to really get to know the person first and then you can organise a catch-up later and discuss anything professional that you may want. Yeah, that's that. I expect also there's an element of you've got to have a bit of sort of nous too, right? So if you're talking to someone and they sort of say, all right, it's been nice and I'm going to go get myself a coffee, you've got to sort of let them walk, don't you, yeah, rather than saying, yeah, I agree, hint. I'm thirsty too, so what do you think about, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely, take the hint um, and just, <laughs> you know, just... Um, it's not personal, it's no, just no, time it's, to work the room. It's not personal, and you know what, um, I actually don't think that you should be stuck with one person for the whole event, you should be trying to move around as much as you can and to speak to as many person, um, people as possible. So, you know, every five, ten minutes, you should really be looking to move around and speak to someone new. Christian, your views? Look, I'm nowhere near as outgoing as I can tell the ladies <laughs> next to me are. It's not my natural state uh, of being. I think I used to look up upon these events with a, a sort of a feeling of dread in some ways. Um, but I think that when I'm involved in a conversation, I can actually carry it off pretty well. Um, and I think it's about being interested in the person that you're talking to and also being a little bit interesting. So interested and interesting, um, being able to interact, being able to pick up on what they're talking about and finding something in your experience that relates to it. And sometimes you can even steer the conversation into something you might want to talk about as well. Um, don't drink too much early in the event too would be my other thing. And if you're going to drink, maybe stick to something that's going to take a little bit longer to take an effect. Um, th that's just sort of common sense, I think. But look, they're, they're nowhere near as bad as you think they're going to be if you think they're going to be bad. As long as you stay sober, nothing bad will happen. Um, but certainly, you know, I think, and this is more broadly as well, just read a bit. Be aware of what's going on around you in the world so that you can engage in a conversation, so you can pick up on what someone else is talking about. You know, 
that's the true art of conversation is keeping someone else interested in what you're saying. I'll add to that point. You know, I mentioned earlier having missed those university opportunities to network coming out of uni and going to my industry. I, it was probably to the detriment of my broadcasting careers in some way. You know, being a broad, well-knowledge person is, is to your benefit no matter what you choose to do. So, again, don't limit your networks to just one industry. You know, look for other things that you can do that are going to broaden your horizons and make you a better employee or better business owner in the future. I guess also these days we're very fortunate we have things like LinkedIn and Facebook too. So, but when it comes to the social interactions, uh, this is a big one. You're at an event, people are in groups together. How does one go up and start a conversation? Any tips? How do you sort of break that ice? Get into that first barrier. Carmen, you're, you're working broadcast. You're an extroverted person. Uh, Easy as, you'd right? You'd think I was, wouldn't you? I've, I've recently realised I am an introverted extrovert. I really am um, quite happy with my own space and time. And, and that's fine as long as you give yourself that time. You know, uh, a lot of us who do very forward-facing jobs like that time to just be alone. So get that time. And then when it comes to these events, I guess the first tip that comes to mind is what's the topic of the night? Is there a speaker? Is there a piece of entertainment or something that everybody's there to that you can begin the conversation with and, um, and take it from there. You know, those icebreakers help. Um, if you really um, are concerned, joke doesn't go too bad, you know. Most people give you a pity laugh, if anything, yeah. <laughs> you can pay out on yourself afterwards and move on. Yeah. So that's why people laugh at me. It's just pity. Uh, anybody else on the panel got any, anything to chip in? It's not easy if you don't know anyone. If, if they've got a name tag and you can identify where they work or what their background is, you might have a hook in there. You're just looking for a little something. Again, you know, unless they're completely nasty people, they know exactly what the situation is. They're not going to hurt you. Uh, and just try it, you know. And again, have something that you're, you know, a question you're going to ask that will at least give you an in. Um, even if it's... Oh, hi, how are you going? Look, I don't actually know anyone here. You know, um, what's your... You know, wh why are you here and, and what's what do you do? Like, just e even that, you know. Again, people aren't going to mind, really, you know. Um, yeah. Angel, did you have something you were going to throw in there? I thought I saw you look over at me, glance knowingly. <laughs> um, I guess, like, I would say that if it is something you're passionate about, the best way is to actually just volunteer for the event. Um, so... I know I speak a lot today, but um, I was I'm very I was very shy and I didn't like to go to any events. But I knew I wanted to get involved in the industry. I think for me it was around gender equality. So I actually saw an opportunity to volunteer for UN Women. I was like I'm so not qualified for this, but it's just actually asking those questions, um, stepping up, giving it a go, applying, um, and and I just guess once I got in, it was just around serving. And when you work. The, the room, you go to the groups of people and you can actually go, well, how's your night? Are you enjoying everything? What did you enjoy? And you can actually make it easier to um, meet people and start that conversation. And I guess, like, after you do it for a while, you become more, I guess, confident to go to events you're not volunteering at and, and do the same. So. That's very good advice, actually. Um, you know, I've, I've, a couple of times I've been to events organised by friends and I haven't known anyone, so I've just said, oh, I'll just go behind the bar for a bit and serve people some drinks or whatever. Okay, in the audience, uh, sir, Mr. Liu, uh, Lee, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome to the show, Harry. Uh, yeah, um, actually, uh, 
we're going to give you a microphone, I believe. So it's a small room, so I don't need one. But um, so actually, very lucky. I'm at uh, Matthew and Carmen in Study Perth event, and also with Andrew. And uh, I think I was running an event for uh, entrepreneurship, and you were not bu uh, you were busy at the time, so you didn't come. But that's all right. Next time. <laughs> yeah. So um, my question is, because um, I always find it's a bit scary to ask someone to be my um, like mentor because. Uh, it's quite a commitment, you know, like uh, you don't know that person, especially that person is in a position which is quite busy and uh, um, you ask, this is a sort of big favor to ask. So my big question is, um, so in what kind of uh, relationship have, do you have to already set up with that person in order to ask the question, see if that person is happy to be a mentor? Thanks. Um, I heard Ida Buttrow speak recently and something she said really stuck with me. She said, don't let my busyness stop you from doing something that you need to do. So one of her staff had failed to ask her for help in a situation and said, well, you're making all these assumptions about how busy my day is. Let me decide how busy I am. And I think the same should apply to your mentors. Um, look, if, if they have the time, they're going to try and help you. If they don't, they don't. It's a bit like, you know, dating. If they're not that into you, fine, move on. You know, it's, um, well, that's some more good <laughs> advice for me. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I, 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 look, I know a lot of people in business might feel differently about um, mentor-mentee relationships, but to me... They needn't be terribly formal, you know, and you can have many mentors and, and draw on one for this and one for another things. And at the end of the day, these are busy people, they're successful people, but where they have time, they will take time. And um, there's nothing wrong with chucking an email out and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm up against this, what's your advice in this situation? I'd love it if you get back to me when you can. If not, that's fine too. Veronica? I very much second that, um, that the mentor relationships, they don't need to be formal. So you can um, just organise a coffee catch-up and try to build a relationship first. Um, and as you go, ask them about how they build their business. So really just, you need to find people who've done what you want to do and essentially just try to copy what they've done because you don't need to be reinventing the wheel. And they would be the best person to tell you how they've done it, what they had to do to get there and all the et cetera's. And then basically you can start off a relationship like that and take it off from there. So I guess similar to, uh, we don't want to go back to the, to the dating analogy, right? But, <laughs> but you, you don't, obviously, maybe you don't go, for, go into the first one and say, hey, would you like to be my girlfriend? Hey, would you like to be my mentor? It's something no, that you build over no. time, right? Yeah, yeah, it is built over time, yeah. yeah. Because they also need to see um, what your working ethic is and who you are as a person and actually see if your personal values align. So don't, don't go asking it on the first, on the first catch up. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you must remember that your mentor's <laughs> reputation, you know, it becomes entwined in yours. And so mm. they are going to be somewhat careful about how the, who they choose to support and recommend and endorse. Absolutely. Um, so you could also look within the circles that are already there. I think uh, sometimes there are mentors just kind of waiting there in your life already who you might have overlooked. Um, and just maybe see if you can pick up on anybody who is championing you and mm. maybe get outside of the industry or outside of the square and think, who is out there who's actually just saying to me? It could be anywhere. It could be at church. It could be... At, at sport, it could be in any other organisation you're already a part of. You just uh, hadn't yet taken the time to have that conversation and see what they do. Christian, any views or? Uh... I, th I think it will be uh, an informal start, uh, and yeah, it would be odd to just come out and say it. I think your mentors are generally going to be around you, but there's also in professional networks there will often be uh, structured schemes where you can say, you know, 
we're a mentor-mentee relationship. Uh, th they will pair people up and, and set them up. So I know in the corporate lawyers, there is, I think in, in accounting uh, practice, there is as well. Uh, and um, so it, it, they will pair you up with someone you may not know, uh, but I think the best mentors are people that you already respect and you want to, and it's not so much, it was, for me it wasn't about um, what they did, it was about how they did it and what elements of their personality and for me it was their calmness that I wanted to be able to learn from and, and how they coped. For me it was more about learning how people cope. Uh, folks in the audience, do we have any... Uh so you mentioned earlier, Christian, that the uh, mentee-mentor relationship can be a little bit imbalanced in terms of who's benefiting from it. And uh, that's quite a toll on, as you mentioned, very successful people who are very busy. In your experiences, and I'm sure it's going to be different for each and every one of you, uh, how, wh what do you look for in a mentee? And how can, you make, how can a mentee sort of make that relationship a little bit more equal benefit-wise or make it just a bit more easier for your time? What would you get out of a mentor Mentorship. Energy is, I really want their energy, so, and their enthusiasm, and, and their, you know, their questions. Uh, so that, for me, makes it worthwhile, and it's always going to be the mentor that is probably giving more anyway. That's expected. It's just when, when the mentee gives nothing, that's the problem. But certainly their energy and enthusiasm and, and feedback, and, and then when you ask them a question, when, when they're able to answer it. And then, you know, I mean... In a, in a really good relationship, you'll learn something also from your mentee because, you know, I, I, I didn't, people were talking about when they graduated. I mean, I graduated probably before many people in this room were born. Um, so there are generational things that I tend to learn from younger people and, and I've got kids as well, so I benefit from, from that. But you certainly pick up on generational differences and, and I've learned, benefited from that greatly. Uh, Veronica and Angel, anything to throw in there or...? Um, so I guess it's really the enthusiasm and seeing that whatever your mentor is telling you that you're implementing that um, and actually just to see that growth I think really pays off to the mentor and they are encouraged to keep mentoring you and give you more input. Hmm. Very much what everyone else said, but I think I guess like from two perspectives is like when I was meant like when I mentor someone, it's amazing to see that when they're also prepared. So when they do, you know, come on time, um, when they do, um, you know, like you mentioned, implement the things that you tell them to. So whether it's like in this month, um, if this is what you're interested in, could you find a few events and um, you know, I'm willing to go to one or two of them with you? And if they if they don't put that effort in, then it's really hard to um, keep keep just like giving your time and effort every month after month um, and I guess for me it was it's always um, good to be a mentor but also be mentored because you can't really keep like for me I can mentor university students or young graduates but I can't mentor anyone else because that's only the level I'm at so if I don't keep um, you know growing and improving then I can't also give back more to to my mentees. Okay. Uh, other questions from the audience? Uh, I suppose there's, there's a good sense of satisfaction when you, when you impact a mentee's life for the better. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank all of you for your contributions. Um, I just had a question about networking. So, so far, we've mostly been talking about networking uh, in the context of networking events. Uh, but I'd, I wanted to ask about networking in the workplace. So um, what would be your advice for 
building networks and relationships with your colleagues um, in the workplace. And if I can throw something in there to make it to make it more difficult, right? Where do you sort of have the uh, have the uh, you know you go to to sometimes there'll be drinks with colleagues afterwards or whatever else, and so how much do you want to energize into that? Yeah, you'd be nowhere without going to those parties, I suppose, in my career. And um, But look, that's not the be-all and end-all, um, and it didn't, needn't be either. If you're not into that sort of scene, then that's also fine. For me, um, the, the people that I've uh, grown with and connected with most within the workplace have been people who share my work values, you know. I'm a bit of a dork. <laughs> I'm down with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with working hard and trying to do better next time. And when I connect with other people who do the same and feel the same way, and you feel safe. You know, uh, in my type of industry, when I was working on FM radio shows, you're really putting yourself out there. You know, you're, you're trying to create comedy in a, in a group setting and you're throwing ideas out there that might just fall completely flat. So you, you will not do that unless you're in a very supportive environment. Um, and I've hinted at it already, you know, uh, being a great person to work with will, I, I honestly believe, it doesn't always happen, but most of the time those are the people who do prosper. So I look for those people that I connect with and it can be as, you know, that, that wonderful working environment, but also socially, yes, if there are opportunities that work provides you, then take the opportunity to go along and do those things, those team building things. If it's a, a no partners event, just throw yourself into it, you know, just you be there and be a part of the team. There are team building opportunities, you know, it's the benefits that come from those, even though they can feel a bit silly at the start, are really wonderful and they, they can take your team from here to here very quickly and um, and that's where you really get to know your colleagues. Uh, does anyone else want to chip in? Or if not, we can go back to the floor. I will, very quickly. <laughs> and then I'll pass Everyone's back keen you. for this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess um, networking in a workplace comes really naturally um, because you are very likely to be working in a group setting or working on one project together. So it's it's inherent in, in a workplace. Um, and you will very quickly find out who you gel with and who you don't. So try to obviously develop relationships with the people that you really get on with and that share your values and um, your vision and just go from there. That would be much more difficult, I expect, in a smaller business, though, compared to something like a Wes Farmers. Yeah, well, absolutely. But still, um, you, you can make the connection with the people who you work with um, and then obviously the broader network, your clients, etc. Christian? Just to, to, to build on that as well, it very much depends on where you're working. So West Farmers is a massive company, $50 billion company, uh, huge amount of employees. But the best uh, networks that I've built up at work have been actually working with people, not so much at events. So the projects you work on, uh, as was mentioned, um, but also the way in which you work with people. So it's not going to be emailing people, it's going to be actually being with them, um, being present, being whether it's a phone call or in the same room, uh, really trying to break down that sort of electronic communication uh, and connecting with a person is much easier in person. Uh, but it's, it's been best for me uh, in a work project situation. I suppose also if you have clients or customers, you can just email them to check on how they are rather than just specifically to do business or what have you or ask to catch up. Um, if, if everyone's all good, I, I, I was going to say, do, do you ever walk into Coles and say, not, not anymore, right, and say, hello, colleagues or uh, <laughs> friends, uh, anyone else got any questions? Uh, the, the only time uh, that I've gone, oh, look, I mean, yes, I, I 
try and be good with the, the companies that West Farmers owns. But the only time that I did that was at Bunnings. Uh, <laughs> I was in there and there's a kid's playground and my kids were in there and they'd set it up next to a shelf. And so what ended up happening was if the kids were walking on top of the playground, they could actually just start walking onto the shelves with all the products on it. And I went over to the people at Bunnings and said, you really need to do something about this because there's kids actually walking amongst all the stuff on top of the shelves. But generally speaking... Um, <laughs> They don't want to... want to process the liability claim. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. They, they, the people there aren't interested in the corporate office people. They don't really rate us that highly. But yeah. uh, other, other thoughts, other questions? Um, we're running low on time, so if you've got one, put your hand up. Hello, sir. Hello. Welcome aboard. Um, you mentioned before about diving into the industry that you're wanting to be a part of. If you're lacking experience, yeah. would you just dive into any, any position? Yeah, it depends on the industry, you know, um, but yeah, getting in, you know, the old foot in the door thing, I think is really valuable. Once you're in, you can then do that networking from within and, and you know, your own champion, don't wait to be asked, <laughs> just tell people what your skill set is and what your interests are and, and take the time. If you're in one role, there's no reason why you can't pivot or sideways step into something else that you are particularly keen to do. Be keen. Uh, the enthusiasm thing applies. Be a self-starter. You know, when I bring young people into the business that I meet through lecturing at TAFE or something like that, I want to see that they're the one who says to me next, oh, can I come back? You know, rather than me having to go, oh, you know, we need some of the phones, can you come? I'd rather have 10 people begging to come in and work the phones for us. You know, that's where I learned to be a broadcaster. Um, so I'm sure there are equivalent uh, roles that apply within your own industry. But, yeah, that, there's nothing, you know, nothing should be beneath you. Just get in there and give it a go. And the contacts that you make and the relationships that you build will get you that next job. We've only got a couple of minutes left, so I just want to check. Was there another question over here or no? In that case, uh, Christian or Veronica, Angel, any comments on that one? So there'll be, in some roles, there's obviously going to be that structural requirement for a qualification. But most of the time, to be honest, in life, people want people who are reliable, who can do what they're asked to do, or who can ask for help when they can't do it. But you want someone who's reliable and effective and again, it, you know, if they're a good person and they've got, you know, energy and enthusiasm, that helps as well. But I think what Carmen said exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're coming towards the end. I've actually learned a fair bit personally. Um, I'd be curious if, if you guys would uh, like to take a, a sentence or two just to sum up what is the number one takeaway for, for the people here today. And I guess my number one takeaway would be um, sometimes it, it's, it's hard, but it's good to be courageous and go up to, just go up to that one extra person or ask that one question because you never know what might come of it. And on a personal level, when I left university, I didn't do that enough and I've, I've come to regret it now that I realise it's actually much easier than I thought. So anybody have any sort of final takeaways? Well, I'll add to that. I'll lead from that and say it's never too late. You know, we work a really long time. You know, this is not like getting married and having babies. You can, you're going to do this forever, okay? Your career is for potentially the next 70 years of your life. You know, who knows how long we're going to have to work? So never ever think that just because you took one pathway that you're cut off from this other world. And, you know, there were so many failed attempts along the road to, to doing even what I'm doing now. And I still consider myself on a longer journey towards something else entirely. So those networks, you're always building them. You're always learning uh, nothing should ever feel beneath you. Just get in, muck in, have a go. Angel? Um, 
I guess for me, it'd be, I guess, like, lead, lead with your curiosity and energy because people can see that. So people can see where you're really energetic, very curious, and very enthusiastic about something, and they'll love to chat to you more, get involved. So it's just really being authentic and going where your curiosity and energy leads you. Um, I would also like to add to the comment that Carmen said, it's never too late, but it's never also too early. So start networking now. Um, when while you're in university and actually building those networks um, and also find the person that you aspire to and model their behaviour. I think the very fact that you've come here today shows that you've got, you know, an interest in your careers and, the, and put you ahead of, of people who, you know, aren't as motivated. Uh, look, energy and enthusiasm is a lot, but if you're, if you're sort of introverted, just remember it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. So ask questions gain experience and, and, you know, people are, are generally going to try and help you. Well, my favourite Prime Minister once said, there's never been a more exciting time to be an Australian, and I agree. So give a big thanks to our panel, ladies and gentlemen. They've been fantastic. Thank you all. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you.